Welcome to the Pugilist Podcast presented by Hack Daniels Media, hosted by Mark Hack Daniels and Robert Meyer. We're bringing you all the fight action you can imagine. Everything you see, we see, we're bringing you commentary. Whether it be UFC, 1FC, PFL, Bellator, doesn't matter. If they're fighting, we're watching, we're talking about it. Thanks for sticking with us. Enjoy our episodes. My dude, we're back. Another little break, a little holiday break. How was your Thanksgiving? Um, I was, uh, I was quite sick, so I stayed in and Kendra went over to, uh, to her mom's house. Oof. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have any Thanksgiving, uh, dinner or anything like that. By Saturday, I was starting to feel okay. So we had her family and her brother and sister-in-law over, so, you know, we made like pasole. What the fuck is pasole? It's like a, a Mexican, uh, stew kind of. Okay. It's fucking good. It's delicious. Is it? Oh, yeah. Super um, good. So my guts are insanely afraid of Mexican food, so I tend to I steer clear of that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I usually have a, an explosive case of diarrhea uh, towards the end of the night. Well, I just generally have a weird, like, <laughs> like awkward stomach problems, I think, just from having a trash diet for so long and, <laughs> and stress and whatever else contributes to having a terrible, terrible gut health. But, yeah, you know, Mexican food. If I just need to get cleaned out, I'll just, I'll go eat some of that. Well, this will do it. Maybe I'll send some your wife uh, <laughs> if you're ever in need. Well, that sucks you didn't have Thanksgiving dinner. I I cooked a pretty healthy, well, I had a lot of help, but did a pretty healthy spread this year. It was cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. Holidays. I don't know. After, you know, not to, not to get all fucking Debbie Downer and shit, but like after my mom passed, like holidays just don't mean shit really shit to me anymore you know i'm hoping that when my kid gets older and he gets excited that'll that'll kind of reignite the the passion well, for so i when i left for the military i was not um just based on family situations not a big holiday person yeah. never never cared to go home the only holiday i actually cared for was thanksgiving and my father just passed and that yep. was kind of his you know one of his favorite holidays i think he was a big christmas guy too i think but so i yeah this is Personal shit aside, like, you know, I still uh, had a rough build up to Thanksgiving, I guess. I got through it pretty, pretty good, but, you know, that's neither yeah. here nor there. I mean, but I feel you, man. But I, what I can't say is you're right. As your kids get older, you know, I'm not a big Christmas guy. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been vocal about that for a long time, but I, you'll, you'll find more enjoyment when your kids enjoy it, you know? Yeah, I hope so. You will. I mean, I, I did it. If, and if I could, you certainly can. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. just saying, like, I mean, I'm just being real, you know? So, yeah. All right, man. What, uh, what'd you think of this last, uh, little run of UFC fight night? Um, well, Dude, I thought the well, actually, can we even call it fight night anymore? It's like fight midday. Like, oh, yeah, that last one. Yeah, it's surprising to me because it's right in the no. It's been a couple. It's actually been quite a few. But oh, it's that's right. Holloway and Rodriguez had that was like an early card too. So they used to do this when they were overseas, but now they're doing it like right in the heart of college football, which I find weird. You know, mm. especially when it's like on ESPN and stuff. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if it affects their viewership. I have no idea. I was you know going back and forth. I didn't. I'm a big college football fan, and I'd prefer to end football and then watch fights personally. Sure. But there weren't any good games on. So I was, I watched it or, uh, you know, the majority of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder why they're doing that though. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird, you know, for like, 
I don't know what it, what time it was, like six o'clock or something like that, when the main event was kicking off for Halloween Rodriguez. Yeah, and then it just you know obviously that kicks all the other fights you know yeah. down the clock right. So you're you're looking at the early prelims starting like when some of the biggest college football games are on. Sure. Yeah. So it just seems odd to me. I could see where they'd want to compete with other promotions, but why would you compete with such an established sport? I guess is my, my, yeah. I mean, my, there's gotta be something beyond just like competition. Like the, I think the USC knows they can't really compete with college football. Right. Yeah. I wonder if it's, I mean, and it, it could be ESPN that has a say in it, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sure. I'm just, it's just been something I've noticed. And like, I think I appreciate it for the, on the, on behalf of the fighters, if I could, I would appreciate it for them because it's not, it allows them to have a more normal mm-hmm. schedule building up to it, which I think matters, you know, cause these guys train all day long normally. And then sometimes they're asked to fight at obscene hours, you know? So in that, in that context, I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know, but I think the fighters probably appreciate it. I don't know. Just something yeah. I noticed, something I'm I'm going to keep my eye on. I just sometimes I wish I could just fucking call Dana White and be like, dude, like, we just explain this to me. Hit him up on Twitter, he'll, you know, and, and actually he, to him because he, he probably would. Yeah, he yeah, probably yeah. would. He does a lot, actually. Or his team or whoever. You know, I don't know if he actually runs uh, his Twitter account. I, no, I think he runs his own Twitter account and he, he fires back at people when they start running their mouth. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure he has like time where he's on there. All these big guys have teams, man. Don't. Don't get it twisted, you know. They definitely have social media teams. Yeah, I have a feeling though that Dana's kind of like he marches to the beat of his own drum, you know, like Trump Daddy. <laughs> yeah. I I one hundred million percent believe that no one touched Trump's Twitter account, just him. Right? I mean, maybe Dana, yeah. maybe Dana actually has the time to do that. I have no idea. I would think. I think I feel like Dana has like gone back and forth between people online, like during fights. I feel like that's been documented through like MMA media before. Yeah. What's crazy though is like it, the algorithms don't necessarily allow, you know, for it's generally accepted that if you have a thousand followers, like you're only reaching seven percent of them. Sure. Yeah. And I know the algorithms change each year, but like, it's crazy to me that some of the fucking weirdest people wind up getting clap back from famous dudes. You know, like how random <laughs> is it that they actually saw that one little, one little tweet, you know, out of the X amount of people that could, could have possibly broke through. I mean, it's crazy, it's but all you're right. About, like using Dana's, the right tags and the hashtags yeah. and shit like that. But Dana's definitely gotten into some, interesting back and forth i feel like i wouldn't get any attention if i asked the actual real question i'm not like yeah, a journalist not. i'm not a journalist it doesn't create any buzz you know you just have to start your tweet like hey you goofy you goofy looking bald fuck or something like that well i look i mean i'm right there with him man i mean yeah know. but he doesn't know that i know that's true <laughs> i don't know i like dana white yeah who doesn't i think he's gonna, a, yeah. i think he's actually an incredible businessman personally it's neither here nor there um, uh, as far as this this last fight card, the Caitlin Vieira versus uh, Misha Tate, I thought it was probably like the worst fight card we've had all year. What'd you think uh, of it? Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't recall. And the thing is, there there were some promising fights on here. I thought, but I don't recall one that was like maybe just as dry and not as exciting. I guess. Yeah, the one I was looking forward to the most was was Sean Brady and uh, Michael Chiesa, and that one kind of turned out to be. Uh, not as exciting as uh, as I thought. 
Yeah, dude. I don't know about Kiesa, bro. Like, I've never really been a Kiesa guy. And I know he got he got kind of hot there. I think he's a brilliant commentator. I think he does really he's, well. I think he does really well there, holds his own. Beating a lot of top, you know, top dudes. Has he? I mean, yeah, I mean, but I feel like know, he's, 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 or maybe it's just recently he's, he's lost a handful too. I mean, I don't know. No, he's on, he's on a two fight losing skid, but before that, you know, he had, he had beat Neil Magny and Dos Anjos and uh, Diego and he, he fucking submitted Carlos Condit. Is that all he's been on? Is, are you sure it's only a two fight skid? Yeah. He, he lost this last one to Sean Brady. Um, and then he got choked out by, um, Vincente Luque in August. Maybe I'm, discrediting him a little more in my head. I thought he was on a a longer skid than that. No. I don't know. He's, he's seemed... You know, to, to Kiesa's credit, though, if that fight would have been a five-rounder, he would have won it because Sean Brady at the end of that third round was fucking gassed out, man. He had nothing left. Michael, if that would have gone to a fourth round, I guarantee Michael would have. Yeah, I th- no, Kiesa, I, I felt like Kiesa had a real strong third round for sure. Yeah, he did. It was just a little too little too late. Yeah, I mean, this, this Sean Brady kid was pretty – they were touting him up pretty good. And he for the first two rounds, he was every bit of that, and then probably then some. But definitely got – he's got more to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think this fight really illustrated that Sean Brady has a lot of work to do before he really, like, gets to, like, the top of the division. Because, yeah. I mean, he's he's got some – glaring weaknesses that Kiesa just wasn't able to capitalize on due to, yeah. I think, his particular skill set. So I thought that I thought that Davy Grant Adrian Yanez fight was. Oh yeah, dude, that was a really it was, good fight. It was good back and forth. I mean, yeah, um, that was the best fight of the night. For I sure. liked I like Davy Grant a lot actually. And this and Yanez look he looked great. So I I'd look for uh, some good things to come from those guys. And they're in a they're in a really healthy division. The bantamweight divisions like you know there's a lot of fights to be made in that division, man. Yeah. So, and then you had two Bantamweights above that. Ronnie Aya got fucking hammered the first round. Yeah, I, I, then, miss, I missed that one. Yeah, and then he found a way to pull it off. It was weird. Yeah, he, dude, he was just getting just throttled in the first round. And then he just, really? yeah, Yaya just has, he's just such a gamer, man. He's been around and it wasn't like an overly exciting fight, but he, he absolutely did enough to, to win. Dude, that guy's been fighting since 2002. Yeah, no, he's been around forever. And he's fought in like every promotion there is pretty much, with the exception of like Pride. It's un it's a I mean it's uncanny, actually, I think. Yeah. Um and he's only thirty seven. Yeah, dude. Man. You know, that's crazy. For well, to have been around since two thousand two. That means he started fighting really, really young. Like yeah, he, like he was like seventeen. Yeah, that's insane. I mean yeah. it's no longer Joanne Calder food, it's wood. Yeah, uh, I, I, I saw that, but I, I don't. I love her, but she got straight throttled, like on the feet and submitted. Not yeah, some, I, not I, what I expected at all. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was watching the, the baby. So I, I missed that one, too. Yeah, she didn't. I'm not going to speculate. I feel like every time I've like paid attention to a Joanna, Joanna fight, she's she's lost. She's streaky. You know, she'll clip off a couple wins and you think she's coming up and then, you know, and then she'll, she suffers a loss. Talia Santos looked great though. So not to discredit her. I just thought Joanne would acquit herself better. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize that Talia Santos is uh 19 and one. That's a, 
Yeah, I don't. I th- I think the only I don't know what her what her resume looks like, but I I felt like stepping up to fight Joanne Wood was sort of a a big step up for her. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking at it, like the you know prior to this fight, she fought uh, Roxanne Modafferi and Jillian Robertson and Molly McCann. I mean, I think as far as like female MMA fighters go in the UFC, like those are all obviously well known female fighters. I think probably. Yeah, but Joanne, Joanne was Joanne Woods not too far removed from. She was lined up for a title shot against Shevchenko, and if like somebody like Shevchenko got hurt, and then it never oh, yeah, mat- I mean, it, she, like it never materialized, right? So I mean, she was she was definitely a top, top of the heap. Yeah, yeah, top top of the heap there on that on that little run for a minute there. Yeah, you're right though. This uh, I'm not going to say the card was a letdown. I mean, it was definitely wasn't as good as we've seen, but we've been treated to some pretty. Yeah, we have. This I guess I guess the best way to say it is this was bound to happen at some point. I mean, they can't all deliver. Yeah, like they can't that. all be bangers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Ketlin Vieta looked amazing against Tate though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, she she completely uh I think outclassed Misha, didn't she? Yeah, well, I mean Misha Misha you know, she's in the best shape she's ever been in. Bar you know, we're two two kids removed. She's in better shape than she ever was even when when she held held the belt in the past. And and in her last fight against Marion Renault or whatever, she looked you know great, mm-hmm. uh, but she didn't. I didn't feel like she really flashed any of that in this fight. No, no, and I think there's a huge size discrepancy between the two. Like Caitlin looked like she was almost two weight classes, you know. Bigger. Yeah, she, no, she's a big girl. Wasn't she coming off like a? I feel like they said she was coming off an injury, maybe or something. Yeah, I don't know. Can't remember. I know Misha had it kind of a nasty bout with COVID, I think. Oh, somewhere in between here? Yeah, I think they were supposed to fight originally in like October or September. The Misha got COVID, so the fight got rebooked. Oh, I didn't know it was a COVID thing. Yeah, that's maybe that's I mean I remember. I don't know, dude. I wonder if I wonder if uh Misha definitely didn't she did she didn't look fast. You know, she didn't look uh She's, she definitely didn't look as slick as she norm as she had even in the past, you know, with, you know, I don't, I don't know her to be a pure standup fighter. Obviously she was a little more known for wrestling takedowns, grappling style, but yeah. towards the end of, of her Bantamweight run, she definitely was solid on her feet still. Oh yeah. Is, I mean, but... Misha was never one to, to shy away from, you know, throwing bombs, you know, I mean, yeah. she'd stay in the pocket. I mean, she and she and Rousey, traded back and forth uh i just caitlin was uh just a, I, yeah i mean she's just a more refined striker yeah for sure you know and that's always been misha's uh you know one of her glaring issues damn dude every single fight on the early prelims went to decision yeah and all i think one on the main card went to a decision yeah i felt like I, I i know i've seen a lot of these can we just talk about uh loopy godinez for a minute uh tell me this girl, so now she she now holds the record for the most consecutive fights in the least amount of time. Like 40, 43 days, she took like three or four fights. I guess like she fought on October yeah. 9th, October 16th, and November 20th. It's insane. Yeah. And like she's in kind of rarefied air in that regard. Like like her hot turns are, are real fucking hot. That's sick. And she's like, I just love the fight, you know? She doesn't, you know, she doesn't, she was joking, like, I, well, maybe not joking this time, but she was talking to her corner. She's like, I can't fight next weekend. <laughs> she doesn't seem to get 
too beat up, but that's got to take a toll on your body, man. You know? Yeah, I would imagine so. I don't know, dude. That's just, it's really impressive. Like, yeah, very, I mean, like it's, a lot of these fighters say like anywhere, anytime, you know, actions obviously in this context uh, show that when Loopy says it, she fucking means it. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's just impressive, man. I'm, I mean, for real. It's a good way to get in uh, Dana White's good graces too, right? Well, I'd say so. I mean, if you're if you're a game fighter and you show up whenever asked, you know, if you drop a fight here and there, you're probably going to still have a nice little comfy spot on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, fighters like that keep other fighters active, you know, because one, because they fill in or two, because there's just always a name floating out there that that'll take a fight. Sure. Yeah. Um, where you can't, you know, there's some divisions that'll just go straight stale. She was sort of a bright little up and coming star on the card, I thought. Yeah, she's got a lot of appeal, I think. She uh, you know, she doesn't have too many fights. I think she's she has less than I think 10, 10 pro fights, but uh she's young, you know. Yeah. Yeah, all in all though, kind of a bummer card, man, for real. Yeah, I uh but like you said, you know, we're we were due for one of those eventually. I just didn't I don't feel like, you know, almost every time you watch a UFC, there's sort of like a clear indication of kind of where divisions are going, what fighters are going to leapfrog other fighters. I mean, but you're talking about the main event. It was seven and eight, seven versus eight. Ketlin Vieta yeah. was seven. So, I mean, it, it, in reality, it made sense that she won, right? And it, it really essentially changes nothing. It proves nothing in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the pressure was on Misha, right? Like if she would have won that. For, yeah, but just, uh, just Misha's name alone indicated that she really should have walked away with that fight, right? But in reality... It's sort of that, I don't know, maybe that springboards Misha to go even harder and train even more. And, you know, it probably will. Yeah. Just, it's interesting that it was a, it was almost like a placeholder card. Nothing, know, re- yeah. nothing really dynamic came from it. And that's, that's kind of rare for the UFC. I feel. Well, you know, First, they've got, I mean, Dana's even talked about that before, you know, and with like the contender series, like they're signing so many new people each year and they only have a finite amount of events, you know, I mean, they, they eventually just need to, throw guys on cards you know even if yeah well i mean you're you're definitely talking i don't know how many weeks there haven't been a ufc but it's you know at this point you're talking almost three out of every four weeks yeah they're they're running a card you know yeah and i'm sure there were a couple months where they had one every single weekend so i mean that's 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 us being overindulged i think in a lot of ways too i'm ready to admit that but yeah i mean at some point you're going to run out of like barn burner fights, man. I mean, I don't care what new talent you're getting. Sure. Just, yeah. Just gonna, it's just is what it is, dude. Let's see this next card coming up here. looks well, before we get into the next card, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't covered? I mean, we, like I said, we took a long break and then there's been a couple other interesting little things. Coming yeah. Up. I mean the, the fight card before this last one, the Holloway versus Rodriguez uh, event, that main event was fucking outstanding. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yes. Yair, I think, did far better than I thought he would. Max. Yeah, he I really mean, t- he really took it to Max, though. Like Max I mean, Max, I think, clearly won. But fuck, man. Yair is as game as they come. I've seen him fight live. I saw him fight um uh Cisneros. Alex Alex Caceres. Or Caceres, yeah. Sorry. Bruce Leroy. Um, yeah, and at the time that was like a while ago in Salt Lake City, and at the time, like I don't think Yair really found, you know, he was known for the flashy kicks and all that stuff, but 
Caceres was too, and it it was like one of those weird fights where they just went went kind of stale. Oh yeah, yeah. Caceres is a tricky guy to fight too. Well, they, I think they both are, and you know yeah. that stylistically, when you match two guys up that are actually awkwardly really similar, uh, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. People yeah. always say styles make matchup, you know, make matchups, and and when they're flashy kickers like that, it can it's like two heavyweights, you know, they mm-hmm. they get weird. I don't re- I don't have a ton of recall on the fight, but it was it was even for a live event, it was it was pretty boring. So so and and because of that, I've never really been really high on Yair. But man, he uh, I've watched that fight twice now. Man, he did he did well. Yeah, he looked I thought he looked really really good. But and and I didn't expect him to do as well as he did considering like the fight that he had with Korean Zombie, like I thought Korean Zombie was well on his way to winning that one before that crazy as fuck spinning elbow at the last second of the 5th round. You know when he when Yair did fight like a top guy, he fought Frankie Edgar and Frankie steamrolled him. Right. Uh so yeah, I knew I knew Yair was good. I didn't think he could really hold a flame to to Holloway though, but he proved Dude, me wrong. Shout out to Max Holloway though. Obviously, the guy's insane. In in my opinion, no business taking that fight. Didn't need to, right? Takes it anyways. Mm-hmm. Still proves that he's insanely good and can go, you know, go in there and bang with anybody. And then is, is absolutely like probably the most respectful guy. I think around man, you know? Yeah. Like he, he's taking pictures with the dude in the ambulance afterwards. Like, uh, he went to go tell him like, Hey, we got a bonus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, a lot of guys just don't make that effort, man. Like, I don't know, man, (laughs) Max Holloway's, I, I guess I'm just saying like, he's fucking special. Like, and we've talked about it a little bit. We talked about it when my, my cousin Cam was on. Like, I value guys that still uphold, like, a lot of that, the martial artist, mm-hmm. you know, where they're more than, they're more on martial arts than just fighting and getting a paycheck. I understand it's a sport and a lot of them are there for that. Fine. But there are some guys that are still really pure at, in their hearts, like pure martial arts guys. And I think Max is one of them. And I think he, he displays that every time. And like, even when he gets into like shit talking situations, like it's, it's still done in like a more classy way, I guess. Yeah. There's, there's always like an element of like lighthearted humor behind it. You know, like he, you know, that Max just kind of lets things roll off his shoulders. Like he doesn't take things personally. And if somebody does say something personal, you know, he'll, he'll make note of it and laugh it off and fuck them up when they fight. Yeah. I mean, he's got that. I think he's definitely got that real, like kind of Hawaiian vibe, you know, that real, like laid back Islander kind of thing. And it, it obviously works for him. I mean, I would imagine that's why he's so capable in the cage too. You know, I've seen him. I have, Um, but I've also seen Holloway get rocked a few times in fights and like, he just figures it out. You know, he eats eats a lot of punches. I wonder how long his chin uh, will hold up. Well, a lot of people are starting to say that, like what, you know, how much damage can the guy really take? Because he does, he does sort of lack a lot of the finishing prowess. Right. And it, and it tends to put him in five round situations a lot. So you have to ask yourself, like, how long can a guy deal with that? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't know if it's just like he's too tough for his own good, or if he's if it's almost like a a mind fuck that he's that he's trying to pull over on his opponent. You know, like they tee off on him, and and he never gets like he's he hasn't been dropped. Like he literally hasn't even been knocked on his ass. Yeah, I've seen him wobbled. I don't think I've ever seen him drop. I can't recall a no, single he, time where he's ever he, touched the canvas. Right? Yeah, he never has. Who? What was the fight that he was wobbled a couple times, wasn't he? And then he came back, and 
it was it, it might even have been before he was the featherweight champ to be honest i don't know it could have been a yeah, long time ago I'm not i don't sure. know it was uh i don't know i don't i don't i don't yeah nothing nothing really stands out maybe maybe connor it might have been yeah it's possible maybe i'd have to go back and i mean i'm sure you can go back on espn plus and watch yeah or maybe poirier pretty much pretty much oh, no, no 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 the second poirier fight i think poirier poirier rocked him mm. oh yeah that makes sense when they fought for the interim lightweight title yeah, yeah yeah maybe that was the one i feel like i feel like there was something in there where, where dustin clipped him really really good i mean the fact that we're even having this conversation is shows like how ridiculous you know this dude is as far as yeah. you know uh you gotta figure it's gonna catch up to him eventually man right well yeah like, i mean we you saw that with chuck too like you know all of a yeah. sudden chuck just couldn't take a punch anymore you know that fucking gust of wind would knock knock him out well i kind of i also i kind of feel like in a way that you know that might have happened to Ioana. maybe not you know I, she came back and has fought five rounds since you know but she's not the same fighter after that all those you know that little title run she was on and a lot of those were five rounders you know yeah so i don't know man i I just think like it wasn't like a saint pierre when he would do five rounds like he spent the majority on that on a, a lot of those five round fights like on in top position just wearing people out you're not taking that's pure cardio you're not taking nearly as much punishment especially as good as he was you know yeah so i mean you're not you're just not absorbing as much punishment where max spends literally five rounds on his feet you know, with four ounce gloves and shit, dude. I mean, yeah, man, he'll just stay. He'll just get into a fucking shootout with guys. Like, I, you know, you you go go back to that fight with Ricardo Lamas, where you know at the end of the fight he points down, you know, and he's like, "Let's just fucking throw hands." And those yeah, two just just get, it out for ten seconds. Just get in the box and it's yeah. like he's in a fucking phone booth, man. Yeah, I love watching him fight though, and he's an incredible champion, man, for sure. You know, and after the fight, Dana was like, "Well, you kind of have to give him a third shot." Well, what else, now. what else do you do? You know? Yeah. I don't know I what else to. you could possibly do. I just, I don't know where, where, where would it go? Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I thought he, he won the rematch with, with Volkanovsky. Yeah, I did too. I don't, I don't think it's like your normal. It obviously won't be a normal rubber match because Volk is essentially two and Uh But yeah. I think a lot of prominent people have come out and said like, Hey, you know, that second fight, that was pretty questionable, you know? Sure. So, yeah. you know, and then like, okay, so if Max, if Max wins, do you do a fourth one? Yeah. You know, and then, and then what if Max wins again? Do you do a fifth? You know, is that like essentially the first? I, I feel like the way things like that go, like if a guy's 0-2 going into a rubber match and he wins the rubber match and then they do it a fourth time and he wins that one again, then it's kind of like, okay, even though you're two and two, like you won the, the last two, like it's time to time to move on. Ah, uh, I mean, you're sort of foreshadowing like a Poirier and fucking McGregor thing there, I think. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you man. don't I mean in history, you know, history for us has always said like rubber matches were essentially almost always one to one, right? And then the third yeah, one yeah. sort of decided it where now we we are in fact we have a couple situations where that's not the case, so I don't know, man. But it's it's weird because it's with two insanely prominent fighters that are still, you know, I know McGregor's been hurt or whatever. He's lost a couple of fights, but he's effectively still in his prime. To put all the other shit aside that we've talked about in the past, Holloway easily still has some four or five incredible fights left in him, I'm sure. 
before we see, I think, any kind of drop off, you know. Sure. Depending on the chin, you know, which no one can assess, right? So I don't know, man. Yeah. Crazy, dude. It sets yeah. up for some really interesting shit, though. I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you rewound a little bit so we could talk about that. Yeah, that was such a, that fight was just so good, man. I was just, uh, I was very immersed watching that one. I don't, I, so I we haven't been able to pull that card up fully, but I remember the the whole card. I feel like I went back and watched quite a bit. It was yeah, pretty, pretty solid was, card, right? It was a badass card. There were a lot of finishes, both on the prelims and the main card. I think every fight on the main card ended in a finish up until the main event. Yeah. Tough, tough shoes for this other Vieta Tate card to follow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the downside of all the incredible MMA we've had this year, at least in terms of the UFC. Yeah, I can't. I mean, aside from like a, a few of the PFL events and a couple of the Bellator events, I, I haven't. I've only watched like one or two One FC events. I haven't watched any Ryzen. Dude, the One FC we talked about it quite a bit in the very yeah, beginning of the show, and like, and then it's just not on anymore. Their TV schedule is just fucking garbage. I mean, they're pre- like we've talked about before. They're predominantly a an Asian promotion, but they were starting to show a lot on TBS. And I think it's just not, or TNT or TBS or something. It's just, I haven't seen it. I think it's TNT. Yeah. But I know that they, I think they had an event not too long ago too. I think Brandon Vera fought on it. Oh, really? One thing I did see speaking on the one FC and I'm actually really intrigued. I don't remember how long ago, but I think, I don't believe it's happened. Demetrius Johnson and one of their movie tie guys, because you know how we've talked about it before. One FC is kind of hybrid. Yep. They're gonna they're gonna do a hybrid MMA Muay Thai caged Muay Thai fight. It's every other round. That's weird. It's it could be I don't know. I mean, I don't know where it's gonna go. It's like Japan did that. Not many people want to be in an MMA fight with Demetrius Johnson. You know? Yeah, and I and I would assume that not too many people would want to be in a Muay Thai fight with four ounce gloves against a like a Thai kickboxer. Right. But the question is, does Demetrius Johnson train enough Muay Thai to at least survive the round? You know? Well, I I think, you know, the the striking uh differences aside, like Demetrius is uh his athleticism and his, you know, his agility, I think, could probably keep him out of harm's way, right? Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to air that or if it's if it's a, a fight that'll easily be watched. I mean, it's enough of a question to make me intrigued. Yeah. And, I, and I've told you before, nothing about Demetrius Johnson at this point really intrigues me. Like, he's just this, he's on such another high level that it's boring to watch him fight, I think. Yeah, and then, I mean, once you take that skills to a promotion like one, I, you know, sure, Demetrius is probably getting paid good money, but nobody's fucking watching, you know? I mean, you just kind of fade away to into obscurity, and then, you know, all the talent yeah. and, and everything, people just forget about it because you're not in the UFC anymore. Right. Like, nobody talks about Demetrius Johnson anymore. No. Uh, we did when he got clipped with that knee after talking about yeah. you got to be allowed to knee down to opponents. Like, oof. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, beyond that, no, I don't, no, one, no one really cares. Yeah. One's got two events coming up in December, December 3rd and December 17th, both in Singapore. Mm. Yeah. So again, it'll be hard to watch. Did you see, um, did you see, you know, you've heard trailer, right? You've heard yeah, a trailer. Yeah. Tra- uh, you, the Jake, Jake Paul show. Paul. Well, I don't know what, it, how involved he is with them anymore. Did you see this like uh weird hybrid sort of thing they did? Well, I know MMA you saw, I know boxing. You, well, was it MMA versus boxing or was it like a hybrid Boxing it was just where they like, wore like MMA gloves, but box. No, it was it was just like 
team MMA versus team boxing, but they fought boxing. Oh, okay. I didn't, I, yeah. So I didn't watch any of this other than the just god awful god awful video of Dan Mergliata just watching Frank Mir fall all over the place and not ending the fight right away. Like what? Yeah, that was awkward. Probably, probably one of the worst stoppages I've ever seen. Probably like the most well, good on like good on the other dude for realizing like this dude is gone. You know? Yeah. Frank Mir is one of those guys that we met him, or no, we didn't meet him. We we met Wes Sims, but we have that signed thing of yep. remember yeah yep. so but when we start when you and i were watching mma like frank Mir was awesome he was like he was oh yeah and barring that motorcycle accident that he got in i think he would have had a much better title run than he did oh for sure he was, but he's, he was like, he's one of those guys that i've always sort of appreciated but i wish he would I, for a long time now i wish he would have just fucking stopped like just stop fighting yeah well and I mean, he leaves. He leaves MMA and he goes to boxing. He loses his professional boxing debut in a good fight. Like he put on a good fight, but then this fight, like he fought, you know, the guy was forty two or something like that. But he was like a, like a legitimate heavyweight boxer. Like I don't even know how that fucking fight got sanctioned. So it sounds like Triller really pays these guys, though. Yeah, Frank said he uh, he was going to make almost seven figures or some shit. I understood Mike Perry to have signed with BKFC. But platinum. Yeah, I thought too. But Mike Perry fought on this card, so I don't know if they yeah. let him, if they just let him fight, or 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 what. But I saw some numbers on him. He got his last UFC fight. He got paid ninety five to show, and then like eleven thousand for you know media week shit. It was okay. totaled one hundred hundred six thousand or something like that. He was paid like two hundred and fifty grand for this thriller fight. And like in hindsight, dude, like Mike Perry's really is he much of a draw you know like yeah i I mean i don't know i don't know if he is or not i'd I'd usually tune in to watch mike perry fight just because it's kind of weird you know and and i and i always have hopes that we'll get another crazy knockout like when he knocked out jake ellenberger but you're sort of always going to tune into the ufc though if if perry just happens to be fighting it's not like you're going to walk away from it you know i'm saying like in a new sport in a a new-ish promotion or sport like is mike perry like a huge draw i just i i can't imagine that he is and i'm just saying like i wonder where the money comes from where does triller get this money i don't i just i'm curious about it and they were also fighting in some kind of weird triangle thing it was interesting oh really well i think i i i believe that cage dynamics cage shapes ring shapes i think those things matter uh, I definitely think sure, it has. Yeah. I definitely think it has an influence on the fights, and I think we've seen that in this COVID era where they were fighting in smaller octagons. Most, yep. not- most notably, the second Ngano Stipe fight. I think in a tighter cage, there's less places to move, and the angles, I'm sure, are mm-hmm. shorter and different, and you can cut people off. Right? It's hard to be on your bike, man. I'm not knocking Stipe. I love Stipe, and he, you know we've seen him knock dudes out on his on his horse. You know backpedaling and throwing punches and knock guys out right it's part of his style i think in that other in the smaller cage i think it defeated that a little so i think dynamics of those things yeah especially when you've got like a a colossal mammoth like francis and guy who's standing across from you you know yeah those extra i don't know how much smaller it is maybe maybe 10 feet or something or five feet i don't know that those extra couple feet i think 
makes a huge difference, difference for sure. man. For sure. Like has to. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm not saying I'm gonna jump on and watch these trailer events all the time because at, at, at the end of the day, I think they're they're just tr- jumping on this bandwagon of MMA versus boxing guys and all this weird shit. And for whatever reason, people are clinging to it, but Yeah, I I didn't watch it. I, I probably won't. I mean, I don't even know how you I don't even know how you watch it. I think was they have it, like a was it a pay-per-view? Is it its own channel? Yeah, I think you go through their website and you buy buy the pay-per-view through their website and they have like oh, okay. a, you know. So obviously they don't even have like a major carrier. I don't think PKFC does either, do they? No, I don't believe so. I think BKFC does it pretty much the same way. You buy it directly from their website. Interesting. I don't know. But shame on you, Dan Mergliata, for that fucking stoppage. You should be ashamed. Yeah, I, dude, I was. I had every intention of when we brought this up to try to say like maybe he thought Mir was playing possum, but I've gone back and watched that video a couple times. No one in their right mind could think that he was pretending to like oh. bait to bait someone in. Like he was gone. Yeah. Like right after that punch landed, he was gone, and then he's like yep. staggering around. Like, come on, man. I don't know, dude. I I mean that Murdoch was known for being like a pretty solid ref. Like you didn't you didn't you never really. I don't think there were many egregious times where you're like, fuck, you really fucked that one up. You know, I thought, I thought he was pretty solid. Yeah. He got, he got better. But when I first saw him, he was reffing an elite X scene. I think he reffed the Kimbo versus James, James Thompson fight where Kimbo like blew up Thompson's ear. That was one of the most epic stuff. Well, that was like one of the most, maybe he shouldn't have stopped the fight, but that ear explosion was epic. If you if, if yeah, anyone who's like, listening's never seen that, you need to go back and watch that. It definitely wasn't like I think that was a bad decision for him. So he he always left like a kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. Uh, that sounds kind of weird. But. I remember I remember the ear explosion, but I don't remember it being stopped because of that. No, as as soon as like the ear popped and you know blood was coming down, Mergliata stepped in. You know that was that that was the. That was during like the the prime Kimbo era, you know. That was before he fought uh, Seth Petrozelli, you know. So yeah, Elite XC, right. and they were shady fucks. That 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 promotion was dirty as fuck. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, they pulled a bunch of fucking weird shit like that. Wasn't Coker involved in that one? No, that was um, the Shaws, Jerry, and uh, that's right. That's his, right. His dirt. Where did dirtbag Co- kid? Where did Coker come from? Coker came from Strike Force. That's right, Strike Force. Okay, sorry, I get those two confused. Because yeah. they both were kind of floating around at the same time. Yeah. I think I own a couple of... The, actually, I probably own the Elite XC that had Kimbo and Thompson fight on it. That's speaking, of, that's speaking, that's of the, speaking of the ear thing, though, that, that Yanez kid, his ear fucking blew up. TC was in there playing with it during that UFC. You might... Did you say you saw that or no? That fight? The Yanez fight? <laughs> yeah. The Yanez and David Grant fight? Yeah, I yeah. saw that one. For what I, he, must have, he must have just been clipped a couple times on the ear, but it, it swole up like bad. His press conference at the end, he had a big fucking paperclip on it. <laughs> like, I don't know if they oh, drained right. it, drained it, and tried to push it down. I know that, I know that's incredibly uncomfortable, if not really painful for those guys when, when the ear blows up like that. Who's the who's that female? Was it Leslie Smith whose ear like literally got like torn from her head in a UFC fight? It might have been, yeah. I think it, I think it was. It was like literally hanging off of her head. Well, I mean, at some point when it just becomes like dead cartilage full of fluid, like I think your ear, yeah. is, there's a point where your ear can get pretty compromised, right? Yeah, dude, I mean, Google Google Leslie Smith ear. It's fucking nasty. It was when she I think, Jessica I. I mean, a lot of them, I think, get their, they have to have, you know, actually have, you know, surgeries done on them. 
Yeah. To to keep them sort of to essentially keep them in the fight, you know. Her ear literally got like torn off. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Ooh, damn, there's nasty. yeah, there's one where they cleaned it up like it's just a full split. Yeah, you can see the meat inside. Jeez, dude. Fucking gross. She's a tough lady, that one. I remember she protested that one, too. Yeah, she's tough as fuck. Did they, did they stop it because of the ear? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's a shitty way to stop it. I wonder if there's something we just don't know, though. Like, what? What the? what's the detriment, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, anytime you've got, like, a major, you know, I would consider an ear, like, a major appendage, you know, if that thing's tearing apart and about to fall off i think i think that's a that warrants a stoppage didn't john jones almost lose a toe and they kept the fight going yeah his, yeah versus chael he got one caught in the cage right yeah like his toe was bent in half i don't recall them stopping that no they didn't because he fucking t- pounded chael out before the the round ended so the doctors couldn't see but if john jones oh, okay. would have went back to his stool yeah you think that it stopped it they probably would have stopped that fight Ooh, so i'm the fucking so on the Leslie Smith thing, now I can see the photo of James Thompson's ear, and it, yeah. it's it looks exactly the same. The difference in the in what I remember from the Kimbo fight though is you actually see the punch land and like the fluid fly out oh, of yeah. his ear. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you see it explode. Sure. It yeah. was like it was pretty egregious. Like well, you know, man, I, I I remember that fight with Leslie Smith, but I I just didn't remember that her it was her actual cauliflower ear that like essentially split in half. Okay, that's, looking at that's looking crazy. at the- Looking at the James Thompson ear, maybe maybe that was a maybe that on was the, a good stoppage by Dan. On the on those same lines, I guess there must be something with uh, maybe right man, maybe like with the maybe we I don't know, dude. Let's let's go to Herb Dean's MMA refing school and should we become MMA refs? Can I'd love to, dude. Get- I would love to. I'd love to. I mean, can you imagine? I'd like to be in the PFL with those fucking glasses on and the little cameras. Like that'd be <laughs> that'd be sweet. Sounds like it sounds like like just like fighters, the refs have to work their way up too, though. Like they don't just it's not yeah. like you just go become a certified ref and you're going to find yourself in the UFC all of a sudden. No, you start in the regional circuit and move your way up. Wonder who scouts refs? <laughs> like maybe Herb. I don't think no, they don't do any scout. You just fucking apply. You pay Herb Dean six six hundred bucks or whatever, take a seminar, and you're certified in the state of Nevada. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's certifications you have to get in every state. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Ones that have athletic commissions at least. You know what I've noticed though is like the UK refs, I think they're the guys that come out of the UK, Mark Goddard and a couple other guys, I think they're they're really solid, man. I feel like there's something about British referees. Like that that's that just seems like a noble thing. Like I feel like if you have a British referee in there, like you're gonna be taken care of. I, I feel like they do a pretty good job consistently. Seems to me. And they always, they always look presentable too. Like Mark Goddard, he always has a fresh haircut, like he looks like he's nice. in shape. He's pretty you slick, know, yeah. Yeah, he's but, slick. You know, like that's that's kind of what you want to see in a ref. You know what? I just realized in the one of the probably one of the cards that we missed, they essentially relieved a ref like on the spot oh, and yeah. didn't let him ref any other fights the rest of the card. I can't remember. That's yeah. the first time I've ever heard of that. I don't. But I'd never seen it. I I feel like that was a new ref. Like I'd never yeah, seen it. it was. It you know, it was like you know it was. I think it was out in in Abu Dhabi. That card they did in Abu Dhabi. Oh yeah, and he was like he had a Russian or Eastern Eastern European name sounding yeah. name, which made sense for that card because it was a lot of the a lot of the Dagestanis. I think they probably held that card out there to get some of those guys active, and then yeah, the stoppage or whatever or the lack of stoppage in his one fight, I guess, was just awful. And they were just like, yeah, no way, we're not letting this dude go again. 
It's good that they did that then. Yeah, uh, it's the first I've ever heard of that. I forget what what event that was. It was the one in Abu Dhabi recently. Oh, they, but they I don't, I don't remember. In, uh, Glover. That's right. Yeah, it was on the. It was early on, and like I I hadn't even started watching yet, and I picked up on some of the tweets and shit. All right, man. What do we got coming up then? We got Rob Font and uh, Mr. Jose Aldo fighting. Yeah, you know I don't. Lately, I haven't been looking too far ahead. When I, when I realized that we had a little break in between, I went ahead and pulled this or just like look to see. I have them all saved on my calendar and shit. Mm. And I was like, ooh, like this one, Th- that main event could be really good. Yeah, Rob Font looked really fucking good against uh, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. And he's on a, what, a four or five win streak. He just he stopped Marlon Marias. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be a tough fight for, for both guys. I'm just kind of cruising through the prelims here. There's some guys on here I, I think I recall you kind of being into. Yeah, Alonzo throw- Menfield's on there. Manel Kopp. Aren't you fighting. a – you're a Grootsmacher guy, aren't you? Didn't you like him? Uh, I, feel I, like I wouldn't say that. Maybe we've. T- I mean, I'm sure we've talked about him before. I wouldn't say like I'm a. I'm a huge fan of his. He was the dude on the Ultimate Fighter that uh, he he got into some little confrontation with Julian Arosa on the show, and like mm. they were outside, and he was like dumping fucking beer and shit all over him. That's annoying. Yeah. Featured bout on the early prelims: Maki Patoli and Dusko Todorovic. Oh yeah, Dusko. He's a badass. That could be a good one. Jimmy Crute. Jim Crute's coming back. I think this is his first fight back after that weird leg thing, right? You remember he just got know. dead legged. He got weird dead legged. Oh, and tried that's to walk, right. Yeah, like tried to walk, yeah, yeah. tried to walk through it and couldn't. Who did that to him? Was I it? Uh, I don't remember, but it was ugly. I think it was Anthony Smith. It was Anthony Smith. That's right. Yeah. Fucking Clay Guida, dude. <laughs> Still going. Still going. Unreal. Oh, Rafael, Rafael Fiziev, dude. I like him. Yeah, he's badass. And then Rob Fon- And Brad yeah, Riddle. Yeah, the, the Riddle and, and Fiziev fight's going to be it's, so really it's, fucking good. I don't, I guess I don't, I don't immediately recognize Riddle. Riddle, he's a, he's a New Zealand dude, really good kickboxer. There's, there's a video of him fighting um, like a Chinese monk in a kickboxing bout and the, and the, and the monk, it literally has his hands dropped and riddle is just like teeing off on his face. Mm. He's, he's done a lot of kickboxing. I like him though. So if he lives up to kind of what you've seen of him, that, that could be a really good fight. Cause Fiziev tends to stand in there and, and hammer away. Yeah. And, so. and riddle just beat, um, drew Dober who. Okay. I love. So yeah, big drew Dober fan. Lot, but I mean, this main event's solid, man. Jose's look good, and a lot of people are real high on Rob Font. I mean, I know Jose's yeah, Jose's obviously on the twilight of his career, but he's he he at bantamweight, he looks incredible. Yeah, he looked good against Pedro Munoz. I thought it's a good one, man. There's an interesting interesting stat that came out that Jose Aldo, when he was 20 and one with like two UFC title defenses under his belt already, that was when Rob Font made his professional MMA debut. Jeez. Another another headline in the card. That's unreal. Actually. Yeah. Never been a huge Jose fan, but at Bantamweight and sort of resurrecting his career, like he he looks amazing. You know? Like I yeah, I, I, I think I'll appreciate him more in the latter stages, but I was 
early on the Connor train, you know, which I think inevitably pits you against somebody like Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. That's just me, maybe. But I've always liked Jose. Wasn't I wasn't a big WC guy, right? Isn't that where? Yeah, Joe, that's where Jose. But I mean, that's really where he was like predominantly introduced to the the U.S. fan base, right? Yeah, you know, he he had uh, that seven second flying knee KO over Cub Swanson, and then he beat Mike Brown for the title, and then he f- had that really good fight with Uriah, where he just beat the shit out of Faber's legs. Remember, remember yeah. that Faber posted? Yeah, like, his entire, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, didn't he go ten years or so? Without dropping a something fight like or something, something insane, yeah. and a lot of that was elite level title defenses. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously he's a incredible. I mean, as far team. as like MMA fighters go, Jose is definitely one of the best guys to ever do it. Yeah, he's not. I don't. I don't recall him being like insanely active though. Maybe in WC, mm. maybe in the UFC, I felt like he was pretty one, maybe two fights a year. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he usually averaged around two fights. Two fights a year. I wonder how much weight he cuts or was cut. You know, obviously he's, he's got to be cutting quite a bit now if he's down to 135, but I wonder well, if I he feel had like a... he always had trouble making 145. Um, Did he? But he seems, yeah I, yeah, I just remember him being a really big 145er. Well, I mean, dude, the, the Performances Institute and just uh, more people in general being around in the nutrition game, a lot of these guys seem to be doing better. The older fighters, yeah. the more seasoned veterans, seem to do pretty well with weight cuts. It's yeah, some of these. It's these, money, so. it's these younger guys, man, that I'm surprised miss weight with all the resources they have now. You know, it seems like the Performance Institute will help any of the fighters with nutrition and stuff. It's not like a, it's not a pay pay to play scenario. It's yeah. more. It's more of a. It's here for you. Much like mm-hmm. you know the the strength and conditioning staff of like an NFL football team or something like. But, you know, I guess I, I would imagine, though, if you're, you know, an up and coming fighter and you've got a team in bumfuck Ohio, you know, you can't just pack everyone up and go out to Las Vegas. You know, everybody has lives to live and responsibilities back home, you know. Yeah, it seems like, you know, shout out to my hometown kid, Patchy Mix. He does. He makes it work. He doesn't take his team with him. He goes and trains with another team and then but his original cornermen are usually with him barring this Ireland yeah. fight that we talked about, but there's some guys I think that can get it figured out, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they have to leave. You're talking about leaving Angola, New York, my small little hometown and going all the way to Las Vegas and having mm-hmm. to find a way to stay there and live there. So you got to have yep. a big, you got to have a big support system. That can't be easy. And his family and his daughter, I believe it's a, his daughter or kid lives, you know, back yeah, and if you're a fucking new UFC fighter making twelve to show and twelve to win, I mean you can't you can't afford to do that. Yeah, if you only get one fight, it's twelve to show, twelve to win, and you happen to win. Uh, after you pay all your dues to everybody, you're still below the poverty line, big time. Probably, yeah. Uh, Kyle Stewart mentioned it. He's like, yeah, man, like if you don't, if you're not active enough and you can't get the fights and and you are losing, uh, you're well, well below the poverty line to pay your dues and all yeah. that shit. MMA is structured different, man. It's just what it is. They need this to is- open up like. PIs on, on like the West Coast, the East Coast, and, and in the Midwest. Oh, I I believe at some they point they do it, right? I believe they will at some point. He's talking about COVID has uh, brought the realization where he wants to be in the future far more self-contained. This is Dana, and he's mentioned he's got the land to essentially build a hotel and 
and put everyone in the same hotel with all the right resources so that, you know, COVID can never hamper him again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he could that way, if something like that were to ever happen, he's self-contained. He doesn't have to hope that there's a state like originally COVID happened. And then they were doing the fights in Jacksonville because they still host him, but there were no fans. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who knows what they had to do th- to get the fighters through? And then they went out to Yaz Island, right? So he's trying to. Re- might- he mentioned like recreating that essentially in Vegas. Maybe it's something he wants to consider sooner rather than later, considering that new uh, COVID variant that's in uh, South Africa right now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like the UFC fighter hotel here soon. Yeah, maybe they probably have already broken ground, and the UFC doesn't tend to like talk about that those kind of things until like they're like ready to show it off. Yeah. You know, sure. They're not, but really... they've got, you know, they've got their bottom line. They're a business. They need to make money. And uh, if, if Dana thinks that building a hotel and bringing all the fighters in, in into a contained environment is uh, the right thing to do for the future of the sport and, and of the promotion that he'll do it, you know? Well, I mean, there's, there's, it's not unprecedented. I mean, there's a lot of NFL teams that put all their players, yeah, even in home, even in their hometowns, depending on where the stadium's located, they'll still put them in hotels, you know, at least the night before, so they can manage their help them manage their sleep and all that shit. So I mean, it's not it's not without a, a precedent, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's just a, a sport protecting. You know, the players are or fighters are essentially their investment, right? So they're just protecting mm-hmm. their their assets, if you will. So it makes sense, man. Yeah, it's it's sort of refreshing to see what people used to consider like a really uncivilized barbarian type sport to go to such great lengths to look after their, their fighters. <laughs> in my opinion, you know, I'm everyone could do better of course, but no one can really say that they're not trying to, yeah. To provide for their guys. You know, I, I, just, mm-hmm. I don't know, dude, I, I dig it. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm excited that Rob font, all the, all the fights got me kind of, perked up a touch i i think i'm honestly more excited for the co-main between uh riddle and fiziev i really like fiziev i like him a lot yeah i think actually. i think that's going to be a really nasty fight yeah i don't know much about this other kid i'm gonna have to research some of the stuff you were talking about but yeah just um, watch him yeah watch him uh, his kickboxing videos he's got a ton of good fights <laughs> on youtube it's actually it's pretty interesting and i don't do this often with the young younger guys like the up-and-comers but if you go back and, and just YouTube a couple of like the more prominent or famous fighters, like you'd be surprised what kind of footage you can find, mm-hmm. you know, of some of the crazy shit they've been involved in. Sure. Like, yeah. Joanna, for example, has hours and hours of kickboxing fights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just straight up Muay Thai kickboxing. Like it's nuts. I'm sure the, uh, shaky, the shaky video cam, like everything's yeah. out of focus and shit like that. Yeah, but they're in there like doing the walk crew and shit, like doing legit Muay Thai yeah. stuff. Like you know, it's cool, man. That crazy music's going on in the background. Like, gotta I love that, dude. Love that shit. I could, dude. I could easily be like one of those fucking weird white boys hanging out in Thailand, like straight up kickboxer status, like throwing money at people in the fucking in the Thai fights. You know? Did you ever see that movie about that uh, that British kid who gets uh? caught with dope over in thailand and then he's got a fight in the in the thai prison for his no. freedom is it a real movie is it based, based on, on like- a true story yeah really yeah no. some some british dude was like a heroin addict or something like that and yeah he gets arrested and sentenced there and then the warden puts on a fucking tournament <sighs> kickboxing tournament and the winner i think gets their freedom or something like that 
Wow. I forget what the movie was called, but the one, the kid who played the, like the youngest brother in Peaky Blinders, he was the, the main star. No shit. Yeah. yeah and people here get butthurt over fucking weird language on Twitter. This motherfucker is in Thailand fighting for his freedom in jail. <laughs> like, how crazy is that? If it's, especially if it's actually based on a true story, like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check this out. Oh, speaking of the blood sport or the kickboxer, I think they're redoing those. Like they're gonna kickboxer movies? Either not the kick maybe not kickboxer, maybe it was Bloodsport. John Claude Van Damme's uh involved in it, like running it back. Oh, Jesus. What's he gonna he's gonna come back and fight a fucking ninety year old Tong Po? I don't know. Come I'm on, just man. I don't know see that shit. Why not, dude? They've done twelve Rockies at this point, right? Like Yeah, but those are like the new ones with, with Michael uh Michael B. Jordan, you know, as as a Dennis Creed. Those are fucking dope movies. Those are good. Actually, it's not like Stallone's it. fighting. I haven't seen them. Oh dude. You got to see those. The Creed, man, those those are fucking good. Super good. I've heard they're really good, but I was a huge fan of the Rocky movies. And it's hard for me to. If you're a fan of the Rocky movies, you'll be a fan of the Creed movies. You, th- you think? Who, you don't want to see Apollo Creed's son work his way up the professional boxing circuit being mentored by Rocky Balboa, the one and only Rocky Balboa. Come on, man. You don't want to see Adonis Creed fight the son of Ivan Drago. The guy who killed his dad. Oh, he does? Yeah, in, in the second Creed, I think. Well, it wouldn't be Hollywood without that, right? Dude, it's fucking badass shit. Did you see what this remastered thing they did? Stallone and, and Drago, like they remastered it or something? Like they there's some kind of re-release that came out. Of what, Rocky Four? Yeah. I don't know what it's about or what they changed or if they changed. I don't know. No, I haven't seen that one. Rocky Four was huge when I remember that was the first Rocky that I ever saw. And then I've since, obviously, because I was younger, I had to go back and yeah. watch them all. That was like in my best of the best days and shit. Like, remember those movies? Dude, best of the best is still my favorite martial arts movie of all time. It's probably I, mine. Probably one of mine too. Yeah. The original. I'm 37 the first. years old. That movie, that movie is cheesy as fuck, but I still cry at the end of it. I would too. It's hard watching that little boy get hit by a car, dude, or whatever. Or like when they see it, when you see it, like, and no, Tommy, that part doesn't even... Tommy gets all jacked up over fighting the other Korean and shit. Like it's weird. Well, yeah. The guy who killed his fucking brother. And at the end, like yeah. spoiler alert, this movie came out in 1989 though. So I don't feel too bad about it. When day Han, you know, comes over and, and gives Tommy his medal, yeah. you know, and says, you know, even though we won, you beat me in the fight. Like, and then right. he, he talks about like, I'm sorry, I took your brother's life, but I'll, I'll be your brother now. You know, dude, that brings fucking tears. I've, if I'm talking about it too long, I'll get fucking worked up. No, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps, dude. Well, here's the thing for fucking, me though, dude, I was in karate. When when I was taking Damn. karate, like when that stuff was coming out, so like that's like sort of my beginning of like all of yeah. this. You know, there's a long, long break of you know I didn't take karate forever, but martial arts was a big part of my life when I was a kid. And then you know, fast forward into the Marine Corps, and you and I are rolling around in the fucking OC grass, like learning gray belt and like. And like I saw a couple early UFCs, but you're like, oh man, you got to watch this now. It's different, you know. Like that's where it all began, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'll never that's, forget, dude. That's you remember his favorite martial arts movie? Is it best of the best? Yeah. But you remember? Well, he's a Kempo karate style guy or Hawaiian Kempo karate, or whatever, right? So I mean, he's he's not yeah he's not just a haymaker sense. like like he like people assume. Do you remember um remember the gray belt technique though? The armbar from the mount. Uh, I mean, if you ask me to perform it, I I'd probably. Well, I'm not asking it, you to perform right? it, but you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, right? The, sure. that, that first introduction to an armbar in McMap. The yeah. UFC that you sh- you wanted me to watch was Matt Hughes, George St. Pierre, 
when oh, St. Pierre goes there. for that Kimura lock and Matt Hughes essentially counters him with a yeah. straight arm bar. I've been hooked ever since. And, and, uh, but also watching that UFC with you, like reinforced that like, Hey man, make, you know, this martial arts, Marine Corps martial arts, like could actually be practical. In, yeah, certain, it, certain it, aspects it, of it, sure. Yeah. Not not all of it, obviously, but some yeah. of it, you know. So I rode that pony all the way to the end of my time, man, when I was in. It was fun. Yeah. And, and I credit old Robert Meyer with that. I, I always tried to to go to the advanced uh, McMap courses, but fucking they wouldn't do it at Miramar because, you know, I only had like a year left and I wasn't going to re-enlist. But they sent me to fucking non-late to... <laughs> Like the non-lethal instructor course too, where I had to get OC'd again for the fucking fifth time. Yeah, fuck that. That's stupid. <laughs> How stupid is that? Yeah, it was dumb as fuck. I was just like, just send me to fucking green belt. Like that's all I want to do. I just want to get a fucking green belt, you know. And I'll ride off in the sunset. And you never fucking hear from my stupid ass again. <laughs> and then they're like, nah, but you'll be a fucking OC instructor. Yeah, that's <laughs> like okay. That's, that's funny. I was at the schoolhouse for three years and didn't have to go to that course. It's, it was stupid. I've watched a lot of it though. Yeah, that movie. That movie um, about the Thai dude. It's called A Prayer Before Dawn. I need to watch that. Yeah, that's good. So it's based on a true story. Yeah, it's based off uh, a guy named Billy Moore, who is an English retired uh, Muay Thai boxer who was active uh, in Thailand up until his. Okay, so he wasn't he wasn't just some slug who got thrown no. in jail and had to figure out how to fight. Like the guy actually knew no. how to fight. Yeah, he knew okay. how to fight. All right. Yeah, it was a good movie. Dude, for everybody, some of these documentaries and shit that I've watched, and I would encourage people to to go check some of this stuff out. For everybody that we see in mainstream, like American martial arts, whether it be kickboxing, MMA, or any of that, dude, there are some fucking incredible f- fighters who just never make it in the in the u.s but they're overseas you know fighting in countries where some of these martial arts come from and they're like like they're they're doing really good you know like there's a lot of brits and shit that travel overseas and wind up living living in thailand and they fight muay thai and they do great some of that some of that more raw documentary style stuff where you can see people's journeys i would encourage people to check that stuff out that I don't, Frank, I don't that, feel like there's. I mentioned it a while back, but that Frank Grio guy, he was in the Purge or one of the Purges. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's apparently trained boxing and stuff. He did that Fight World or whatever on Netflix, dude. It was awesome. It came out in like 2017. Just highlights wow. all these different martial arts around the world. They traveled all the countries. Like it's so cool to see like how their what their martial arts mean to their countries. You know, that dude's like 60 years old and in better shape than most professional fighters. I bet, yeah. He did sure. that that like MMA McCoy. show that was on uh, Amazon. Most yeah, the fighter or not the fighter? Uh, what's his name? Joe Daddy was in it, right? Yeah. Yep. I've yeah, actually yeah. I've never seen a single episode of it, but a lot of people have talked about it, so it's really good. I watched the first episode, and it's a kind of a fucked up. It's, do you ever watch um, Shameless? Mm-mm. No, it's like it's definitely like a trashy show. Like these people are kind of like white trash, but it's good. It's. I mean, the episode that I watched, I, I enjoyed. So are you going to watch this movie Bruised that came out since we're out kind of no. on the topic? You're not going to watch it? No. Shevchenko, Holly Berry. Holly Berry's first directorial 
debut. Nah, but movies like that don't really interest me. So like you're not you're not into like what was that movie with uh the guy who plays Venom or whatever? The fighter? Was it the fighter? Oh, you know, the Tom Hardy MMA movie? Yeah, he like fights his brother. Did you ever Warrior. see that? I seen that. Warrior. Like did you like that? Yeah. I, I did like Warrior, but I, I like the dramatic element more so than I did like the fighting aspect. I, I like the That's father fair. son dynamic. Not father son brothers, right? No, like they had it was like yeah, there was there was issues between the two brothers, but then they also had an issue with their dad, Nick Nolte. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? I haven't I haven't seen that movie in a long time. That um, movie fucking made me cry too. You know what? One of my favorite like fighting movies is is actually Mickey Ward's movie. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. yeah, Mark Wahlberg's in it. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I've gone back and watched a bunch of the Mickey Ward Arturo Gotti fights on YouTube, dude. Those were nuts. Those were yeah, fu- those are insane. Fucking all three, insane. All each, all three of those fights were fucking insane. I think they fought three times, right? Yeah, and then there's some weird uh, circumstances around Arturo Gotti and like how he died and stuff. Yeah, he got murdered by his yeah. fucking wife. Right. That's sad. Because I guess yeah. him and I guess him and Mickey Ward were starting to become friends and stuff after the fact. Like a lot of these guys wind up when they share a ring like that, they wind up really close towards the end of their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, basically said that those two became pretty good friends. I, I I watched something recently with Mickey Ward, and and he went to um, he goes to the Boxing Hall of Fame induction like every year. It's just part of what he does, obviously. And then, uh, but Arturo Gatti, I think, got put into the Hall of Fame, and Mickey was there, or their fight did, maybe. You know, yeah. fighters don't always oh, necessarily yeah. make it, but they could be involved in a fight that was so important to boxing that one individual effort or whatever could go, but not necessarily the person. So it was something yeah. along those lines that he talked about it. But yeah, it was interesting. Mickey Ward's got like a, a whole fucking apparel line and shit. Like it's crazy to see where some of these fucking people come from and like the lives they live and shit. Like mm-hmm. I never saw a Jake Gyllenhaal boxing movie though. Southpaw. Yeah, Southpaw. If you're a little, if you're a little more into the drama, I think you'd actually like it. Yeah, the fighting and stuff is cool, but you know, there's some. It's got a good Hollywood cinematic, you know, rise from the ashes kind of thing. Lose your wife, and yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. It's actually, I thought really good. Good soundtrack too. You'd probably, I think you'd be interested. You should watch it. Yeah, I usually don't, you know, because I watch so much like MMA. Like it's hard for me to watch like a lot of fighting movies. Yeah. Like, like I can watch an action movie, like a Marvel movie, no problem. But like, if I'm watching something about like boxing or MMA or something, like that, I'm like, well, I know it's fucking fake, you know? Like, yeah. So boxing movies don't aren't a big turnoff for me because I don't necessarily give a shit about boxing. Yeah, there's very few boxing fights that that I care about. So Southpaw actually was cool for me. But you're right though, this Bruised movie, I, I don't know where I'm at with it. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it or not. I mean, if it comes out like free on Netflix or some shit. Like uh, maybe I'll check it out one night, but I'd probably rather watch Dune for the eighth time. Haven't seen it yet. You fucked up, man. Billy and my kids watched it though. It's I've, I saw it three times within like a, a week time span, which never, which I never do. I'm not, I dude. I got so much shit going on. I can barely watch fucking movies, but everyone says Dune is good. Yeah, super good. Uh, later on tonight, though, I'll turn my TV on and John Wick will be on. I'll watch that for the 18,000th time. <laughs> yeah, John Wick, I'll, I'll always watch that one. Doesn't matter which one or when it started, I'll watch no. it. There's a couple yeah. movies that I can't turn away from. You know, I say, like, I don't like to watch fighting movies. I don't, but I'll sit there. I'll, like, I'll watch Best of the Best 
over and over again. I'll watch Kickboxer one and two. Uh, there's over just and a, over again. There's nostalgia there though. Yeah, yeah. And they're not trying to. I don't think those movies are like trying to appeal to like the modern era. Obviously, they were no, made a long time no. ago. And they just uh, appeal to my eight year old self, I guess. Love Best of the Best, dude. Fuck, need to watch that. That's, I actually like Best of the Best too, as well. Then after that, part three and four, they kind of went off the rails. It's like yeah, it's like Fast Ten. You know, yeah, it gets it get like you can only take them so far. Like part part three, I think like had Tommy going into some like small town and helping the sheriff take down some neo Nazis or something like that. I doubt that and, I've seen past two to be honest. I know they exist, but I don't think I've seen the yeah. the others. Part, part two was pretty cool because they had like death death matches. <laughs> of course, and in these like Las Vegas coliseums against these like gladiator dudes. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I remember. That's funny. What's uh? Isn't it uh? The guy from Best of the Best, the white dude who gets his shoulder separated. That's Eric Roberts. Yeah, his sister. Who's his sister? Yeah, Julia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like kind of a big deal. Yeah, man. Eric Roberts back in the day was the fucking man. He had uh, th- those two had like a a strained relationship, I think, because of his his drug addiction. Oh, did, uh, I, I don't of. know. I don't know much about him, but yeah, that's pretty much all I know. Oh man! All right, dude. Let's uh. You got any other hot takes? Oh, hey, they they announced uh, Islam Makhachev and uh, oh yeah, yep, Daryush. That's, that's gonna a fucking be. badass fight, man, dude. I know there's a lot of back and forth online, but I think that's that was the fight to make. I really do. Yeah, no, that that's that's the right that's the right one to make. Yeah, for sure. Did um, you hear that? There's some some drama coming out about that because apparently Khabib came out and said that uh, the UFC offered to double Islam's bonus if he finishes Benil. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you know that's just through the grapevine rumor mill bullshit, but who knows? I mean, interesting. I feel like you you if you're the UFC, you'd want to give Benil the fucking double bonus if you if he finishes Islam, considering Islam's like everyone you know everyone's on this fucking jock right now thinking he's. Yeah, it's like which which pony can you ride longer though? I'm I'm all about Benil in this fight though. I I am too. I don't care for Makachev, but and I I've never cared for Khabib. Put his skill set and all that shit aside. I don't I don't think he was a marketable champion at all, and I don't think Makachev will be. Benil probably could be more. Uh, also, I don't think Benil can be. <laughs> Khabib uh, announced that his Eagle FC or whatever is going to come to the U.S. Yeah, I'll be interested to. I'll just, I'll definitely watch that. Hopefully, they can get uh, maybe like a fight pass thing going on. Well, I've never seen any Eagle FC. I don't even know who fights in it. It's probably mostly Dagestanis, I would assume, right? It's like a regional thing in in Russia, or no? Well, yeah, I think it, I feel like initially it was like an African based promotion that could be bought, and he rebranded. Huh. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Yeah, Khabib. Khabib has just become a mouthpiece at this point, though. It's kind of annoying. It's definitely, but, definitely talking more. You know, there's many coaches out there that sort of talk, but they can't talk like a fighter can, and Khabib can. Yeah. You know? Yep. So, like, Connor's coach talks a lot, but he does it in a very coaching way. You get that out of the, the Jackson camp, like Wink, Wink Jackson. Those guys are very respectful of everyone, uh, but they talk about fights or upcoming fights, like, in a very coaching kind of way. Uh, Khabib, mm-hmm. Khabib doesn't like he, you know, he talks about it like 
other sports like oh, our pitcher is the best fucking pitcher and doesn't matter if he lost five games recently like he's still you know like Khabib kind of does yeah. that shit like so it's yeah it's different it's definitely different we'll see though we'll see where it goes yeah i don't uh i don't know man i, I mean i wouldn't read too much into like double and bonuses and all that stuff i, I couldn't see that yeah i'm not i just couldn't see that happening that'd be kind of fucked up if they did do that though we're gonna wind up with like a fucking bonus gate here yep that would suck if they got into weird shit like that. That would, yeah. I agree. I don't want to see that kind of stuff happen. I think, you know, it's widely known that if you if you fight, you get a show fight, you like you get show money, you get media money, you might get a win bonus and then you might get a fight of the night or performance bonus, right? Leave it at that. Don't do any kind of weird extra shit, you know. Yeah. Islam Makachev is not is not a marketable guy in my opinion. I don't think any of the Degastanis are just because they're they're not they're not vocal enough. You know they're they're ha, ha, the competition Ham, and Hamzat might be a little different, but he's not. He's yeah, from Sweden. He's different. He's yeah. a little different. He's he's completely I think he's different got, personality. He's got Degastani roots, I think, but he's he's very different in the fact that he grew up in Sweden. So he's he's just not the same. The Which, by the way, did you see any of the footage of him just straight ragdolling Joker Hermanson in a wrestling match? Yeah, he he looks like he dude. He looks fucking massive. Terrifying. Like yeah. Hamzat could probably easily fight at 185 too. Yeah, that's scary. I hope the thing with I hope that Hamzat like it, we don't find out that he's just got like the the chinniest chin of all chins. I really hope like like if he's you know everything that you see on paper and everything that he's shown in the cage so far, like you think this guy is just going to be a marauder and just tear through fucking everybody? <laughs> yeah, you don't want it to be a a massive letdown like no that's that's how, like the, how i felt with johnny walker like johnny walker's rise in the ufc was like really really good he was fucking stomping everybody and then Corey sure. anderson smokes him you know right and, he hasn't and, and he's just hasn't been right since yeah yeah i hope that's not what happens with hamza like i really hope that we get this like dominant dude from him you know yeah i get it I, i'm with i'm with no i'm totally with you on that because he is in a weird way pretty likable no, yeah, for sure. And and super marketable. Like that guy talks fucking shit, you know? Like and uh, I don't mind that, you know. No, I don't I mean, I don't I don't mind it at all. I think uh you know, the, the guys from Dagestan have incredible skills and they let their skills talk, but that's not promotable. Yeah, I mean, they they self-limit themselves on on their marketability because of yeah. how they are. And you know, that that is what that's it is. That's their culture. I mean, it's their culture. You can't knock it, but yeah. At the end of the day, it's still a sport. It's still primarily based on entertainment, which in the fight business, I think is weird uh, because some of these guys do have like a certain morality that they bring. It, it does reduce the entertainment value, which is strange. Like I like to, I like to tell myself that I'm an MMA purist, but at the same time, like there's a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. Like I need people like Hamzat that get me excited about watching, <laughs> watching their shit. And Islam doesn't do that. Like Hamzat does, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally get it. But I never, I just hope it never broaches boxing and all the weird shit that, you know, the dirtiness and the shady. Oh, yeah. Promotion yeah. and all that. So I hope it never gets like, gets like that. Yeah, me too. All right, my man. As long as Dana's running the show, I don't think, it, I don't think it will. Yeah. I don't, I just got to wonder though. I mean, contracts, you know, are finite. And last I remembered, he signed a five year deal yeah. whenever they sold the promotion. So, I mean, that's not something anybody really tends to talk about. 
who knows? No, if, I think, you know. I, I think the thing with Dana, like one day he's just going to have a fucking aneurysm in his brain and drop dead, you know, that's possible. Yeah. Or just one, one day, all of a sudden he'll just be done, you know, yeah. like I'm just yeah. done. So we'll see. All right, man, let's, uh, all we'll right. shut it. We'll shut it down, dude. We'll, uh, we'll catch up, uh, next week on the, on the comeback on this one and whatever else is coming up. I know everybody I think has their eye on December 11th. That's going to uh, going into the new year. That's going to be a big card. You know, that shapes yeah, a lot of, a lot of, sort of a lot of the early fights, uh, into the, into 2022. So yeah, that card, sure. that card, that card fucking actually, it really matters. You know, that whatever the outcomes are. Yep. So all right, my man, we'll, uh, well, I look forward to breaking it down with you when, uh, when the time comes. Likewise. Until then, we'll, uh, we'll watch this weekend and then we'll, we'll keep at it. All right, buddy. Thanks, dude. Yep. Ha, ha, ha.